Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi, covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. We had a sudden head turn there, and it forced my camera to like refocus. It's because I got a giant noggin. In case you don't know, I'm a very big head. Very small brain, but very big head. I'm Brian Adad. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks for joining me on a Wednesday evening. My good friend Rhino down there in uh, Studio X. He'll make sure that uh, everything that happens tonight is supposed to happen. And we got a good show lined up for you. we got a guest uh, coming up in about uh, 13 minutes. Mississippi State defensive coordinator Matt Brock will join us, the new defensive coordinator, taking over for Zach Arnett, who's now the head man, uh, obviously, for the Bulldogs. So we'll talk to him about... You know, what's going on defensively in football? Uh, but, you know, we've been trying to avoid it on sports talk, but on this show, I don't feel like I can. We, we got to talk some baseball and we got to talk some problems, guys. Yeah, we got, we got to talk big problems. Um, because Mississippi State was swept again. They were run ruled on Friday. And when I, run ruled is like, you know, it's like, you know, what happened to him? Oh, he, he, he had a cut. And then you find out he lost an arm. You know, it's a little bit more than a cut. They lost 26 to 3. It's a little bit more than they got run ruled. Uh, they lose 18 to 5 on uh, Saturday, and that would have been a run rule, but all the run, most of the runs, I think seven of them, eight of them came in the ninth. And then, you know, they, they're more competitive, but they're still double digit runs, 11 to 7 on Sunday. 0 6 in the conference. Last year's team, in case you were wondering, 3 and 3 after their first six conference games. To give you an idea of where it is right now, last year's teams had three wins at this point, and then, of course, only finished with nine. Uh, and now you've got only six, and now who do you play this weekend? Oh, it's just South Carolina, who's 23-2 and two on the year, and at last check was leading the nation in home runs. I could sit here and tell you that, you know, well, I feel like they're really close and they're fi- I fig- I, I don't. I don't feel like those things are the truth. I don't feel like they're figuring anything out. I don't feel like they're getting better every game. I don't. I watch this team play and I'm just thinking they're going to be worse record-wise than they were a season ago. They're going to miss Hoover again. And they're going to have to make some some big changes at the end of the year. Maybe all of them. Maybe wholesale. Because this this isn't how Mississippi State baseball is going to operate. It's not going to get you know losing is one thing. Last year's team lost a ton of games, but they were competitive. You know, for the most part, they had that one game with Tennessee last year. But other than that, for the most part, they got out there and they competed. You can't. They've gave up fifty five runs in three games. They've given up ninety runs in six games. Mississippi State football has had, a, has had stretches of six games where they didn't give up 90 points. This is baseball. 
They've given up double-digit runs in five of their six conference games. They've been run-ruled twice and should have been run-ruled two more times. It's just bad all around. Defensively, they're not good. They, they, they make more errors than just about anybody else. They, 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 they can't, you know, they can't keep walking guys, or they can't stop walking guys, I should say. They can't avoid hitting guys, throwing wild pitches, having pass balls, letting runners steal bases on them. And then offensively, you know, they're okay, but when they need the clutch hit, they, they, they more often than not don't get it. There's not an aspect of the game of baseball where you look at that Mississippi State team and say they're good at that at least, you know. They can hang their hang on hang their hat on that. It's not there. And so it's kind of painful. It's very look, it, you know, it's one thing for me to sit up in the press box and watch and I'm just sitting there watching the game and not really reacting to it because you know, you professional atmosphere up there. Fans that are paying money to come into the stadium you guys have all the right in the world to be upset, to be angry, to be frustrated, to be sad. This is, It's kind of sad. And that's, you know, this is Mississippi State baseball. For years, the crown jewel of MSU athletics. All those trips, to, everything that's out there on the wall, SEC championships and All-Americans and first-round picks and trips to Omaha and then a national title. And since then... Nothing. It's a really bitter pill to swallow. It's a really tough pill to swallow if you're a Mississippi State fan. It's just incredible. There's a legitimate chance. I think I think both teams will find a win between now and then. I do. But there there's a there's a statistical probability. There's a number that says when State and Ole Miss play on April the fourteenth on Friday night in Starkville. Somebody might get their first SEC win there. They could both be 0-12 coming in. That's the, that's the defending national champion and the one before that. How did it get to this? The, 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 the demise, if that's the right word, of the Mississippi State baseball program in the last two years is something that I would love an independent case study of. Can we get people to talk on the record? Because I have no idea how a program collapses like this this quickly. It doesn't make any sense to me. And here's the thing. I know there's some talented baseball players on this roster. There's guys that are going to play at the next level on this roster, in the batting order and in the, in, in, in the bullpen and the, on the pitching staff. Now, some of them are young and inexperienced, but the talent is there. It's, it's not a talent. It's not a huge talent issue. But it looks like it is because they play they, they 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 play so poorly. I've said this the same line like three or four times, but I, I this is I, I just buy into it. You could have taken literally any SWAC team you wanted, Alcorn, Jackson State, Grambling, whoever, put them in Mississippi State's uniforms on last weekend, and the scores would not have been that different. They would not have been that different. Think about that. The last time Mississippi State played Vanderbilt. Prior to last weekend, they won two out of three in the national championship series. In the two games they won, they won thirteen to two and nine nothing. And that nine nothing game, they put they took a no hitter into the seventh. And now they're losing twenty six three, eighteen to five, and eleven to seven. And they're uncompetitive. How does that happen? 
so quickly? I don't know the answer to that. Chris Lamotis doesn't know the answer to that. Nobody knows the answer to that. And so here we are. Can it be fixed this season? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'll be totally honest with you. I mean, if if it if it's going to happen, it has to start happening this weekend. You have to get wins this weekend and next weekend and the weekend after that with Ole Miss. If you could win the next three series, and I know how improbable that sounds considering what we've seen thus far. I know that. We're just playing you know, hypotheticals here. But if you could do that, you would be what? If you let's say they just win them, they don't sweep anybody. So that would be six and three. You'd be six and nine. Make your jokes. And then you play Auburn at Auburn. If you get a win there, then you're seven and eleven. Eek. I mean, your last four are are Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, and Texas A and M. You would need eight wins out of tw- uh, no. I mean, I just don't see it. If you get to thirteen wins, you could go. If you went six and nine in the last, uh, yeah, no, no, six and six in the last. I don't see that either. I mean, if state's getting run ruled by Kentucky and and Vanderbilt, what's LSU going to do? What's Arkansas going to do? What's Tennessee going to do? State's schedule was set up to get wins in the early part of conference play. And then in the second half of the season, when you were playing all these tough games, you maybe you could coast home a little bit. And instead, you've put yourself in an 0-6 hole. It's brutal. And, I, you know, like I said, if you're an MSU fan and you're frustrated and if you're angry, you have every reason to be. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't. Don't let anybody tell you that you're spoiled. You know what I'm talking about. Because you're not. You deserve better. You know, the investment the fans have made in the Mississippi State baseball program, when people talk about the dude effect, it's the fans. They make that. They make that atmosphere. They've made that tradition. They're the reason that stadium exists. So you have every right to be upset. It can't continue like this. It It just cannot. So... We'll see where it takes us in the coming weeks of MSU baseball. They've got to turn it around this week, and we'll talk a little bit more about that series in just a bit. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little football. Mississippi State defensive coordinator Matt Brock will join us. Not a lot of changes on his side of the ball. Let's find out what is going to be different when we talk to him. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Burn it down! I really want to let that run into the uh, the vocals here, but I guess I don't have time for that. Oh well. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi, and pl- pleased to be joined now 
by Coach Matt Brock, the new defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. A lot of change on the other side of the ball uh, out there for spring practice, Coach. Not so much on, on your side, though, but do this for us. Tell us something on the field, football-wise, that's different between you and Coach Arnett. Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't know if there's a whole lot of differences. Uh, I think we kind of have uh, a similar approach when it comes to the game of football and everything we do and, and what we believe in, and I think that's probably why it's been a, a natural transition. And, and uh, uh, you know, I probably – he where he played or he, he coached in the back end a little bit. You know, last year with the safeties, he probably likes to tinker with coverage a little bit more. And, and where I'm more of a front-oriented guy, I probably like to tinker with the front a little bit more. Uh, from a schematic standpoint, but uh, overall, I think there's a lot of similarities. He said on, when we talked to him on Saturday that having you would, would probably alleviate some concerns of of him doing some dumb things like he did last year. He said he, said he was a little, maybe a little too aggressive at times, but what I know of you says you're a pretty aggressive defensive coach as well. I, I assume Mississippi State will not be blitzing less in 2023. I don't think uh, I don't think I would I would prescribe that for sure you know i think uh it comes down to that's that's the style of defense we're going to play that's the players we have they understand the system they understand the expectation and and it's been successful uh uh for for quite a while here and so it would be kind of foolish of me to come in there and and completely change our philosophy so you've got, you know, you mentioned the defensive side of the ball, the defensive front. You've got some experience there. You know, you brought back some some guys, some guys coming back for their final year. The secondary, the back end, maybe a little bit more of the new faces. This spring, what what do you want to accomplish? If I said you had to set some goals, what would they be? Well, I think number one in spring, you've got to find out what your guys do well. Uh, and they have to have a, a good enough understanding of what we're asking them to do. So schematically, so that their physical tools actually show, and so that, uh, from a coaching staff standpoint, we can pray, uh, you know make proper evaluations and determine who can help us, who cannot help us. And so that's the first thing you got to be careful of is is making sure you're not overloading them um, mentally, where that it slows them down and they're thinking too much. So that would be goal number one, which really leads you to you know this goal number two, which is determining what's best eleven players to get on the field, and then from there, where's the next guy at each position that can make you uh, successful in the fall and, and so on and so forth as you build your roster and determine uh, who can help you be successful. So uh, I think those are the two key goals throughout the development of spring football. If you ask someone like me, someone in the media, who who were the leaders defensively last year? Obviously, Emmanuel Forbes would have been listed, but he, he's, he's on to the NFL now. But then Jet Johnson, Buki Watts, and Jaden Crumney, those are guys that I probably would have picked out. You have them all back. I know what they can do for you on the field. You're talking about two of the top tacklers in the SEC returning, the top two tacklers in the SEC. I, I know what difference Crumney made when he was available later in the season. Off the field, what did those guys give you that, that you're glad to have back this year? Right. You know, it's funny you ask that question. We had a defensive unit uh, meeting today, and that was a little bit of the topic, and and I think, simply put, I mean, uh, guys like that who have been in the trenches, been through games, been hardened by the process of playing SEC football, um, they can they can give young guys, you know, the perspective of pushing through some adversity, pushing through the growing pains of, you know, you come in highly recruited or whatever it may be, you were the guy at your high school, and now all of a sudden you show up and and you got to essentially rebuild. Uh, from square one so they can kind of give those guys that perspective uh and then the other thing is just 
you talk about leadership, guys lead in different different ways. But ultimately, leadership uh, on and off the field elevates people around them. And that's what uh, we're, we're asking those guys to do on a daily basis, you know, whether it's vocally or whether it's just how they play because everybody has a little different style. Uh, but that's the key to having those returners is they can't just worry about their own execution. They need to elevate uh, guys around them. The last two years, the transfer portal for Mississippi State, the secondary has been where you, I feel like you've had the most success. You've been able to bring in guys at those positions, the safeties, your cornerbacks, that have been impact players for you, guys like Jalen Green, guys like Jackie Matthews. And this year, you know, no, no different. A, a bunch of new faces back there via the transfer portal. You know, early in the process of spring practice, but how do you feel the new faces are adapting for you back there? I think they're doing a good job, and there's still a long, long ways to go. Uh, we're six practices in the spring, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of growth that needs to be uh, needs to show up as we push through the rest of spring and throughout the summer process and fall camp for us to play winning football uh, with those guys. But it, it comes down to repetition, and kind of what I mentioned early on is is getting uh, those growing pains out of the way early, so now uh, they're not thinking as much, and and they can go out and show their skill set physically and uh, you know there's been times where maybe we're not executing things to the to the point we want them but you see flashes of the physical capabilities of those guys back there and how they can help us and, and we're going to need them to be able to do that and of course you've also got a new face back there coaching those guys and brett dewhurst a guy that you guys elevated uh from the analyst position and turned him into a full-time assistant what about him as a young coach made you want to make sure he was part of this staff well, you know, Brett and I have uh, have a, a history going way back. We were together. Uh, we knew each other when I was back at Texas Tech in 2013, 2014, and then we started working together in 2015 uh, there and have always stayed in contact. And, and uh, then, he, you know, he worked with us last year here and was heavily involved in the role that he could be involved in. And so he was, uh, you know, he was a guy that was familiar with the system, understood our players, understood uh, how we want to play defense here and so really it was it was a pretty natural fit uh number one i i know him i trust him number two he understands the scheme and uh understood our roster and our needs and those types of things so really it was it was pretty much a no-brainer when it came to that uh situation and then you have a veteran coach like David Turner, who's been at Mississippi State before, who's been around the SEC, and whose resume is is kind of unmatched. If you if you had to put, you know, salary of players coached as as a stat, his would be pretty high. What does he bring to this coaching staff for you? Well, it's, it's simply put, right? I mean, you mentioned it just a second ago. The development that he has uh, created within his resume of, of players in this league from this state. At this school, I mean, just at this school alone, right, is is incredible. Uh, the second thing that I would I would throw out there is, you know, I think it's like 22 years in the SEC or 21 years in the SEC, something like that. And before this year, you know, when we talked to him, I uh, I told him I made kind of a joke. I said, shoot, most guys, if you make half of that in the SEC, that's a pretty good run. And so, uh, really, just all the things he's been around, seen, uh, really more from a development standpoint, fundamentally. Uh, very excited to have him here with us. Uh, smart guy, great motivator. Just every, everything about him has, has fit in well. And, and our players, I, I can see uh, I see them adapting to his style and, and really doing a nice job. 
only got a couple minutes left with you. This is Coach Matt Brock here, uh, Mississippi State defensive coordinator, joining us tonight. And this next question, I apologize in advance if it's a tough question to answer because it might, it might make you a little emotional. But what's it been like with not having Coach Leach out there this spring? I mean, how is that for you guys? Do you, do you still feel his presence on the practice field? Oh, I think I think so, and I think the the best way, you know, <clears throat> I've said this before to people when they ask me. You know, I think the best way uh, you uh, you honor a guy like Coach Leach is you go out there and work your tail off every single day, players and coaches, and uh, you know you uphold some of the same standards that he's always preached to. You know, playing the next play, being mentally tough, playing hard. I mean, you look at the the teams that uh, he's had throughout his career; those are all staples of him, and and uh, any good football team has those things. It makes up uh, a big part of who they are and their DNA. And Coach Arnett's no different with his belief. Uh, you know, we might be different systematically as far as offensively and those types of things, but ultimately uh, the, the pillars that build a program, the toughness, you know, the work ethic, the discipline, uh, you know, playing the next play, all these different messages and, and things that have been a part of uh, our program for three years with Coach Leach, uh, they, they might be said a different way or executed a different way, but they're still uh, at the core of who who the program is. So uh, by no by all means, it has been different. But uh, there there's still a lot of similarities in the beliefs that we we carry on. Last question for you, coach. And we only got about a minute left. Does it seem like Coach Arnett's a little happier now that he's the head coach? He's he's smiling a little bit more. He's joking a little bit more with us at practice. Have you seen a change yeah, in this yeah, guy? Well, who who is this person? Him on this kid, it just depends who's playing better, right? He just walks over that side and feels good, you know. So he's uh, <laughs> joking about it all the time. But it, you know, when you get to be the head coach, you just if, if the offense is having a good day, you slide over to that sideline. If the defense is having a good day, you slide to that sideline. So maybe that's his. Maybe that's why he's having so much fun. I, I don't know, but. Uh, now, jokes aside, I mean, I think it just he's, he's uh, you know natural transition to it, and and uh, somebody asked me that early on. You know, uh, he's been essentially the head coach of defense uh, to this point, you know, with Coach Leach, and so it really he just made that natural transition to the, to the head coach overseeing both sides of the ball at this point. Coach, I really appreciate your time tonight. Great stuff. Looking forward to talking to you again very soon as the spring progresses. Coach Matt Brock. Joining us here on Thunder and Lightning. We'll be right back after this. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you've got it. Back here on Thunder and Lightning, Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks again to Coach Matt Brock. Great interview, I thought. Good information there. I really like him. I think he's got. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him as a, a football coach, uh, not only here at Mississippi State but beyond. On top of all, you know, his football accolades. I think he's like I said. I think he's a dang good coach. Great recruiter as well. So he, he's he's really got the total package. Uh, and looking forward to seeing what he brings to the MSU defense uh, this fall. If you missed that interview, if you ever miss anything here, 
It's just a click away. You just got to subscribe to the Thunder and Lightning podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts from. And this whole show gets replayed uh, every every time. Plus, five days a week, myself and Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, we uh, talk MSU uh, football, baseball, basketball, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's available to you wherever you get podcasts from and at supertalk.fm, which is a website. If you haven't already, you need to bookmark it. Sports, news, politics, everything going on in our great state, you can find it right there at supertalk.fm. Brian Haydad, Rhino down there in Studio X. He's making sure uh, I stay on target at all times. So far, so good. We'll see how the rest of the show uh, finishes up. Let's get back to baseball, though, because anyway, we've got some text here from the uh, on the text line from some of you guys, and it's all it's all kind of the same sentiment, you know. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon, I appreciate your honesty, Haydad. State baseball worries me. You're not alone, Dwayne. I mean, people are worried. People are nervous. People are upset. You know, you can't. You know, you can't, and I, I don't like to make the same the comparison that state baseball is the same as Alabama football, right? Alabama football has multiple national titles; it only has the one. But there are tiers of programs, right? And when you win a national title, if you, even if you only have the one, if you are a year in year out performer, you get to be in that top tier. Mississippi State baseball is in that top tier to me. It is one of the top baseball programs in the country, top five for sure. You know, prior to the season, even coming off of a last place finish, D1 baseball ranked MSU, I believe, as the number two program overall in the country. You can make a strong argument that Ole Miss is in the top five. Vanderbilt, LSU, Texas. I mean, you figure it out how you want. State's in that discussion. A top five program doesn't take results like this. They just don't. You can't finish last in the SEC and then come back the next year and do it again. Simple as that. It's just that just can't be allowed. Would Alabama football allow that? Saving for all he's done. If he if he went four and eight, four and eight, what happens? Gone. And nobody would even blink an eyelash. Kirby Smart's won two national titles in a row. Let him go four and eight this year. See what happens. State's lost seventeen straight SEC games going back to last season. Think about that number. There's only thirty in a season. So you're telling me this in a and if this was a season, they would have lost more than half of their games already. That's that's mind-boggling to me for Mississippi State baseball. You know, seven seven baseball, seventeen baseball games. That's basically five series. It's almost six series, right? What would happen if Georgia football lost seven, six straight football games in a season? What what would happen on ESPN and on the SEC Network? And on Sports Talk Mississippi, if we were talking about a six-game losing streak for the Georgia Bulldogs in football, people would be losing their minds. So, yeah, it, it, you're not the only one. Uh, from the 662, Lamonis knows the problem, but he'll never admit it. You get swept this weekend. I think the fans need to demand a coaching change somewhere. Maybe not fire Chris, but something has to change. I, I just don't think anything's going to happen in the season. This isn't like football, right, where – you have 11 assistant coaches and you got a staff of analysts and everything. So if you want to get rid of somebody mid-season, you can and you can just say, okay, you're taking over here and we're going to bring an analyst. You don't have that with baseball. If you fire your pitching coach, you got no pitching coach the rest of the way. You can't have that. You know, and, and you can't go get a pitching coach because nobody's going to leave their team mid-season for a new job. I don't think, unless it was just some sort of ridiculous situation. So the season's going to have to play out before any kind of changes are going to be, going to get made. 
Uh, Jeff and Oxford, the, the State Ole Miss series is going to look like a sequence of episodes from the Three Stooges. Woo. Ole Miss can't hit and State can't pitch. Something's got to give when we get to uh, to Starkville in a few weeks. I just need one of those games. I'd like to point that out again. All I need is one so that I can win this bet with Richard Cross and he can be bedecked, bedazzled in maroon and white at the Palmer Home Radiothon. We all want to see it. Nobody wants to see me in red and blue. Nobody wants that. The Ole Miss fans out there, y'all are listening. You're like, hey, Dad, we don't want you. But Richard and Maroon and White, that's funny. That'll be humorous. Uh, Dan and Hattiesburg, there's a chance both teams don't go to the SEC tournament. It's very real. It's very real. I mean, Ole Miss's next two series are um, Texas A&M and Arkansas. And that, that's on the road at A&M. That's an A&M team that's 1-5, and five, so they're going to be equally desperate for a win. I mean, there's a legit chance that Ole Miss comes to start, but let's let's give them a win in the A and M series. But I don't know about them beating Arkansas. So if they're one and eleven and State, I mean, let's just do the same. Let's give them a win somewhere. They play South Carolina and they go to Alabama. Two one and eleven teams at that point in the season. Yeah, there's a real chance those are your two teams that miss Hoover. Incredible that the last two defending national champions might miss Hoover. That's something. Uh what we got here from the 662, it's a philosophy-slash-talent evaluation problem. I mean, I agree. There clearly have been some misses. We did a, a podcast uh, last Tuesday, if you want to go back and check that out, the Thunder and Lightning podcast, where, I mean, you look at the 2020 and the 2021 classes, and there's just so many misses in there, so many guys that aren't contributing, especially from a pitching standpoint. I mean, you look at this weekend's rotation, which they announced, and you got TBD on Friday, but Thursday, you've got Gerangelo Sinjay. You've got uh, Nate Dome on Saturday. That's two guys who came in this year. And I think the Friday guy is going to be Bradley Lofton, who came in this year. You know, you look around the conference, and most of your, your pitching staffs are guys who have been there a couple years, who've pitched in SEC games. The only guy you've really got like that is Kate Smith, and he's been out now for going on, what, four weeks? And I'm not sure when he's going to be back. So, yeah, there's obviously that. And then from a philosophy standpoint, you know, I, I see all the uh, you know the people complaining about the pitching the pitching strategy. I, I don't know what the pitching strategy is. I won't pretend like I'm in meetings with Fox Hall and the pitchers. I'll just say that what they're doing isn't working because they walk so many guys. A team that strikes out as many batters as Mississippi State does should be better, but they put so many guys on base for free that they that it's there's obviously a disconnect there's obviously an issue somewhere that I as a non-baseball coach can't see you know I only see the results so what that, what I'm trying to tell you is I couldn't come up with the plan a lot of people like to give you the whole, well if you think you could do better go be the coach I couldn't I can't coach I also couldn't be a chef but I'll tell you when my steaks overcooked so when I see a team walk this many batters I know there's a problem with the pitching strategy it's just simple as that. George from West Point. Mississippi State can't pitch, catch, or bat. Other than that, they're an amazing team. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, but he, but he's absolutely correct. There's not, this team doesn't do anything well. Like they're, they're, they're probably at their best offensively, but they're not a team that can just go out and slug you 13, 14 runs. They're certainly not going to score 27 runs in a game to win last Friday. Dan from Louisville saw a stat the other day that after Omaha State's record was 41 and 41. It's going down. 
it's going to continue to drop. That's an incredible stat, by the way, to be 500 two years after a year and a half after a national title. Gosh, man, it really, it really is difficult to wrap your mind around what's happened to Mississippi State baseball. It really is kind of difficult to, to I mean, because again, try to picture it in other sports. Picture it with, with, uh, with football. Imagine, you know, Georgia just won the national title. What if they went four and eight, five and seven the next two years? How, how, can you put? Can you picture that? No, you can't. Josh from Laurel, when Coach Lamotis comes on the show today, well, that's not today. Please ask him if he had to go to the crossroads like Robert Johnson when he sold his soul to the devil. I saw a funny tweet. I mentioned this, I think, on Monday on Sports Talk Mississippi. It said, states deal with the devil to win an act was we want to win a national title. Ole Miss's was we want to be like Mississippi State. You got to be more specific, guys. You got to, you got to really, the, the devil is in the details, no pun intended. Bubba from Starville, along with the obvious, I think there's a player control problem, a lot of me's and no team. I don't know. You know, I feel like the team is still together. You know, when, when we talk to them, it feels like they're all pulling in the same direction. They're just something not getting them as far as they need to go. I feel like they're working hard. I feel like they're trying hard. But something's not right. Something's wrong. Don't panic. They're just getting the losses out of the way. The hot streak of two games is coming. Hey, if they win tomorrow, it'll be an SEC win. You take that with this uh, South Carolina team. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. We'll wrap things up when we come back. None of you have picked up on the uh, the theme tonight, by the way, in our, in our bumper music, which is a little disappointing. But it's one of the best weekends of the year. And I'm going to talk about it because I got free reign. It's my show. When we come back, we'll talk about the granddaddy of them all here on Thunder and Lightning. Thunder and lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. Throw up the one. Woo! Let that run a little. Yeah! I am your tribal chief. Acknowledge me. That's right. Thunder and Lightning here in Super Talk, Mississippi. We always like to talk a lot of MSU sports. We talk a lot of MSU sports here, but this weekend is... One of the best weekends on the calendar for Brian Haydad and friends. It is WrestleMania weekend. The granddaddy of them all. The grandest stage in professional wrestling. The business we call professional wrestling. 
I'm very excited. Two-day event, and with State not playing on Sunday, perfect. Perfect. Just all all about the wrestling on that day. So I am very excited. We have uh, we have watch parties scheduled for both nights for Saturday and Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. And this is a this is a tremendous card uh, as I look at it here. Uh, obviously, you and we'll talk about the main events in a second. But I mean, you've got some big time Edge versus Finn Balor, Hell in the Cell should be outstanding. Uh, the three way title match for the Intercontinental Title: Gunther, Sheamus, and Drew McIntyre. That'll be a really really good one. They've built Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio up to this point. They've done a great job telling that story. I'm excited for that. Both of the women's titles matches should be really, really good. But then you have the bloodline matches, which is what everybody's really looking at. The Usos versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. They've done a really good job of building that story up to the point where I really did think Sami Zayn was going to win the title uh, a few months, I guess last month uh, in Toronto. I, I would have put the belt on him and just figured it out, but... They didn't, but I do think they'll get the tag titles off the Usos uh, here uh, this weekend. I don't know. I would have that main event Saturday, to be totally honest with you. That's that's the big match for Saturday. I don't know how they're splitting the card up uh, just yet. That's that's a big match. I'm also the Seth Rollins Logan Paul match should be really good. Logan Paul is an incredible athlete, and he has been surprisingly good as a professional wrestler. And Rollins is one of the top, maybe the top two. I would put him in Kenny Omega from AEW. Those are probably the top two guys in America uh, right now. That'll be a good match. But then there's the big one. Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, the American Nightmare versus the Tribal Chief. I think Reigns is going to win. And I know that probably goes against a lot of conventional wisdom uh, right now. But, but, I know WWE. And they love, they love to to milk things for all they're worth. Reigns is only like, I think, 70-odd days away from a 1,000 days as champion. They're going to get there, guys. They're not going to let that marketing opportunity pass by. Now, maybe I've just built it up in my mind to the point with Reigns that the only guy who can beat him is The Rock. That's the only thing that that's the only logical ending to the storyline for me. I just don't think Cody Rhodes is that guy. I like Cody Rhodes. I liked him in AEW. I like him in WWE. I like the idea of I'm going to win the belt that my father, the American dream, Dustin Rhodes, if you will. I'm going to win the one belt that I'm going to win the one belt that my daddy never won, if you will. See, I never won that belt. Now, Ric Flair, he won that belt. Arn Anderson didn't, but I never did either. So I like that storyline, but I just don't see it, guys. I just don't see. Uh, Cody Rhodes winning the big one here. Uh, hey, I can't believe Dwayne and Brandon. I got, I can't believe Richard got so much into the talk yesterday. Yeah, he did. So, oh well, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, you know, he, we had some wrestling talk yesterday. I was very excited. I was wondering if he knew it was WrestleMania week. I wonder if I'll get a segment on sports talk on Friday. We're live from Dancing Rabbit, so it seems unlikely, right? <laughs> We're out there at the golf course, and I'm just, yeah, Roman Reigns, let's go. I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. It's the perfect opportunity we'll, we'll for Pyro. See. I, I think. Well, it's also the I, for me to like you know, F five Richard on the uh, on the on the seventeenth green. You know, just just up on my shoulders, spin him off. Let's go. I could take him, put him in the figure four leg lock. Something, something. CC is about the real college wrestling or the fake TV stuff. Everything on TV is fake. CC. Do you like Game of Thrones? Those dragons aren't real. You know, you know, uh, Brian Cranston didn't actually sell meth on Breaking Bad, right? You're aware of this? It's fake. It's everything's fake on TV. It's TV. 
They're going to let people start betting on wrestling, by the way, which is incredible. You're going to be able to bet on a scripted event. How are they going to police that? I have no idea how that's going to work. Like, I understand some things, but like I have no clue how they're going to make that work. I guess you bet people bet on TV shows, though, I guess. I don't know. CC is laughing at me now. I, the, the wrestling is fake thing always makes me laugh, you know? Like, Tom Cruise isn't really Maverick either, guys. So, we'll see how it goes. It's been a fun show. Thanks again to Coach Matt Brock for joining us. thought that was a really great interview. I will clip that out. We'll have it up on YouTube tomorrow. If you haven't subscribed subscribed to the uh, Super Talk YouTube channel, do it, and we'll get that uh, notification to you. And I'll have it out on Twitter as well. And, of course, remember, if you subscribe to the Thunder Lightning podcast feed, you can hear this show anytime you want, uh, plus the podcast. Plus, tomorrow, my SEC wraparound for spring starts with Alabama. We'll talk a little Crimson Tide on tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast, so that's fun. Rhino made the music work. Appreciate you getting that done for me, man. That was really cool. And I'll uh, be back with you next week. Thanks, for always, as always, for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.